With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And everyone listening on the internet. Uh, it's my honor to bring you this meditation today. And uh, learned a long, long time ago in the, in the uh, grand scheme of things, it's always good to stick to the point, to get to the point and stick to the point, and the point of this table is what I'd like to talk about. Um, years ago, the concept uh, from Dave Traxler was talking about the sin solution and the solution for our predicament and being separated from from our maker because God is not sin and he can't tolerate it and he won't tolerate it and it won't be around him. When we say sin, we can define that forever and ever, but basically it's something that is not right or something that works against the free will of some other person. It is that choice and that free will that allows this table to stand and allowed uh, or actually caused it to come to be for way back before the creation of the world Satan's rebellion followed the corruption of man and this all came as a result of the free will that God has given every creature and very obviously heaven and earth. Like I said, sin separates people from God and only the cross and Christ's resurrection gives us a path back to our Father. Through all the reading, we find the Bible faultless, and it is, in all ways. And from the Bible, I'll read this, from the Apostle Paul writing in Romans 5.8, about this way back to God, and he writes this, But God com commandeth his own love towards us, in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, shall we be saved from the wrath of God through him. Now in this part here, I believe Paul was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, I believe, which is what the people that he was speaking with were facing. But just previously in Romans, God was talk, or Paul was talking about God being the God of the, the Gentiles as well, and that makes it apply to us. In verse 10, For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. 
And not only so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through who we have now received this reconciliation. And this is the point, is that not only do we have a risen Savior, but through Him and because of Him, a way back to our Father. Amen. As we consider our giving, let us uh, remember the concept of the of the scriptures, and I think Jesus defined it well when he spoke of the the things that we uh, where we put our treasure are indeed the the things that we love. So when we support God's work with our treasure, then indeed we are showing forth the concept that Jesus speaks of. Uh, And it's true. It's always been true, and it always will be true. It's one of those things that just always is the same. So, you know, when I look at the um, what people do because they love the word, and they, and they love the, the truth of God's word, 
that makes me feel very good. And it, I think it, we should all share in that joy. So let us pray. We, we thank you, Father, that you have allowed your people to contribute their treasure to the things that they love. And to know, Father, that, that our rewards are, are vast beyond our understanding even, and that your kingdom indeed is glorious. And we pray, Father, that, um, that all that we do will bring honor to your, your word, to bring honor to your Son, in whose name we do pray this day. Amen. Well, good morning. It's time for the uh, our lesson this morning in Luke chapter 8. We're continuing with the text of uh, the Gospel of Luke. And I've enjoyed the, uh, the idea of following this kind of as it was, um, uh, as it was actually lived out in a way. So, um, this lesson is going to continue and with the report of the words and the works of Jesus of Nazareth and the people of Palestine that, that, we, that we find uh, within this text. By the way, the, the, the period of time of Jesus' ministry, we talk about three years or something of that sort, we, we get our... Our, our time period, the starting of the time period, from the, uh, from the time period of the, um, the, the governor, uh, and we know that 28 A.D. was when John the Baptist began his work, about six months before Jesus uh, was, came, to G, came to John to be baptized. So that was about 28 A.D. to 31. This is the time period we're talking about here, and we're just we're briefly into it here in, in this text. Um, but it's it's got a very close narrative pattern to it, um, and that's what I like. And what I like is it seems like every little issue that is described here is some sort of profound teaching about a subject. Um, and we're going to find that there's actually three things here very quickly that we're going to look at, um, just as from verse 19 on through 39. And the, the first uh, verses 19 through 21 in chapter 8, Jesus defines the family of God. And you think, well, why would he have to define it? Well, you're going to find, just listen to what was said. And listen to what happened, actually. Luke 8, 19.
this is in the passing of time here, while Jesus was, was speaking uh, with people. In verse 19 it says, And his mother and his brethren came to him and could not get to him because of the crowd. So Jesus is speaking uh, and teaching. And of course, the way he is surrounded very with, closely with his apostles were with him there and then a large crowd. So his mother and brethren, that is uh, brothers and maybe even a sister or so, could not get to him because of the crowd. And it was told to him, saying, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without, wishing to see thee. But he answered and said to them, My mother and my brethren are those who hear the word of God and do it. That was a pretty simple statement, wasn't it? But do you suppose somebody might have been a little confused or put off by what he said there? You know, was he rejecting his family? Well, no. He was making a point of what family truly is. You know, many people are confused about what makes a family. But not Jesus. He, he wasn't confused at all about what makes a family. He understood what the family truly was. And he tried to illustrate the point here by making it clear what it really meant. So, you know, in another passage uh, within one of the other Gospels, I don't have the text right here, but Jesus' mother and, and brethren were worried about Jesus because of all that had been transpiring. There were, Jesus had some enemies by this time. There were those that really did not want to hear another word from him and they were going to do something about it. And this, this was also known. All the things about Jesus was known. Miracle worker and, and his words, his teaching had authority. All this was known. But it was also known that he had adversaries. And they wanted to warn him of this grave danger. They didn't seem to think because of his actions. He just seemed to not care at all about that. They wanted to warn him. And, and that was the concept. And I think this was a normal feeling. This was, this was not wrong of them. They just wanted to, to, to tell him, wanted to find out what he was going to do. How is he going to protect himself? But it wasn't necessary for Jesus and for his work. He understood these things. But the important thing here is what how Jesus describes a family that we need to take to heart. The makeup of God's family and the kingdom of God are exactly the same today as they were then. Exactly the same. As far as the, the perimeters, the, the realities of being family. Those that heard the word of God and do it. Those are those that are part of the family. It's as simple as that. Now I know that that, that statement of Jesus really is not a very Calvinistic concept because 
it really illustrates that all of the so-called selections uh, are, are really not true. That this is a personal situation for each person. Very personal. Let's look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the first two verses. The Apostle Paul writing to the church there, he starts this way. I think it illustrates the point I'm talking about. But I made known to you, brethren, the glad tidings, or the good news, which I announced to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I announced to you as the glad tidings, unless indeed you have believed in vain. Now isn't that speaking about hearing the word and doing it? Now if you don't do it, you've believed in vain. If you don't believe it, you've believed in vain. And uh, you're also going to be giving up your salvation. So this concept is not a, a new concept. Uh, This is what the apostles taught. Of course, Jesus taught it first. Jesus said this first. And this was in in the the culture of the Jewish people, family was was the center of all thinking. Remember, they were the, uh, the, the house of Jacob. They were sons of Abraham. Everything had to do with family. Their immediate family was very important to them. Their, their grandfather, their great-grandfather, all the people in their families. That's what they lived. They understood it. They had them memorized. A man could tell you his father, his grandfather, and take it all the way back to the tribe that he came from. That was part of their understanding. So when Jesus did the thing, when he said this to the people, we might not think too much of it today, but then this was, this was really a powerful word. But he defined it. He gave the true, true idea of what he was talking about. In other words, the flesh is one thing, but God's way is always the, the ultimate and the best. We go on here in an illustration about faith. Jesus defines faith, the fact that it must, it must, be, it must have some legs. It must have action. Uh, in the next account here, uh, verse 22 through 25, what do we read? It says, And it came to pass on one of the days that he entered into a ship himself and his disciples, And he said to them, Let us pass over to the other side of the lake. And they set off from shore. Now, I I want to illustrate the idea here of when I say, when it says disciples and I say apostles, obviously the crowd did not get into, and they were, by the way, they were students. Disciple means a learner, a student. They were also students of, of his. But they all didn't get in this boat, did they? 
No, this we're talking about the apostles here. Uh, even though the, the, the word is disciples, um, they're called apostles before this in, in this in this book. So I wanted to clarify that. They set off from shore, and as they sailed, he fell asleep, Jesus. And a sudden squall of wind came down on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in danger. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on a lake, especially ones that aren't too deep. Uh, the water can really get to churning up and blowing around on the, on the edge, on the top, in, in your boat. And it fills with water pretty quick. And coming to him, the, the, uh, the, uh, the apostles came to him and they woke him up saying, Master, Master, we perish. But he, rising up, rebuked the wind and the raging water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And being afraid, they were astonished, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even the winds and the water? And they obey him. You think that's an incredible story? I do. I think that's an incredible account. But it really tells, to me it reminds me of, you know, we're apart from, from Jesus in a physical sense. You know, he was in the boat with them, but he was asleep and the storm was raging and they saw a real problem. But Jesus is, is trying to infer that if he was with them, what could harm them? Do we, is that how we think now? In other words, do you, ever think, do you ever think that Jesus does not know your problems or your hardships? And how do we act about it? What do we, how do we feel? What do we say? What are our concerns? Um, well, I think the separation, the physical separation, is a problem for us. We'd rather be right, right there with him, um, because that's how we are as, as, a, as, a, as human beings, um, and that's how they were. They were afraid. Um, they knew. They knew the things that Jesus could do, but they were still, still had, as, as we know, they still had some doubt. They still had fear. Let's look at Hebrews chapter, uh, uh, chapter 11, verses 1 and verse 6. Because Jesus says, where is your faith? Now, what is faith? Now, faith is the substantiation of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's the problem, you see. Faith means that it's not by sight. If it isn't in our mind and in our heart, friends, we don't have faith. It's not by sight. If it's by sight, we got a, we got a lot of trouble. They're not seen. But what does verse 6 say? It clarifies the whole issue of faith. 
And this is what we need to never forget. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. That is, we're speaking of God here. But he that draws near to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them who seek him out. And the emphasis there is seeking is diligently seek. In other words, would go through a fiery ring to seek God. That is what diligence truly is and bring you to the point of of death. The apostles that were in the ship were afraid of the storm. And if you've been in a ship where there's a storm, there is some concern. Uh, and, and, And the Sea of Galilee was famous for storms on on the on the uh, on the lake, and for ships going down, and all sorts of things. And believe me, they understood that well. Even though they were afraid, they marveled at what Jesus did about the storm. They marveled. Uh, that's my word. Uh, Darby has another word for it. And they they're, they made the statement. And this statement was made by the Jews in many places at various times concerning the things that Jesus did. And they said, who is this then? Who is this then? That's the question that needed to be answered. That's what Jesus was doing. He was doing things that would raise that question in their mind. But the answer is is what we, we read Uh, Jesus saying all the time, the things he did and said were so that they would believe that he was sent from the Father. And if he was, then the things that he said were very important. Matter of fact, one, one time he said to the Jews that I came not to judge you, but every word that I have said you will be judged by. And so they were. One more account here today uh, from verse 26 on through 39. We have an account that uh, many people are marvel at and it's just what, a, what occurs here. Um, it's a miraculous thing, uh, <clears throat> but it was something Jesus did a lot of and that was dealing with demons and people that were possessed with demons in those days. Verse 26. And they arrived in the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. So that's, it's to the east of, of the region of Galilee. It goes down the other side of the lake, even. <clears throat> And as he got out of the ship on the land, a certain man out of the city met him who had demons, that's plural, a long time, and put on no clothes and did not abide in a house but in the tombs. But seeing Jesus, he cried out, and fell down before him with a loud voice, saying, 
What have I to do with thee, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beseech thee, torment me not. Now, what was happening here? Where do these words come from? They came from the possession that the man had. The demons were speaking through this man. And it goes on to say, For he had commanded the unclean spirits to go out from the man. This is their, that was their response to him commanding them to come out. For very often it had seized him, and he had been bound, kept with chains and fetters, and breaking the bonds, he was driven by the demon into the deserts. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion. By the way, who was speaking here? Was it the man? Was his name really Legion? Well, Legion uh, means, For many demons have entered into him. And, and that's the idea of the term legion. And they besought him that he would not command them to go away into the bottomless pit. See, that's where the demons would have been sent if Jesus had cast them out in a typical, in a normal way. And they were asking him not to do that. <laughs> Very strange account indeed, isn't it? They didn't want to go to the bottomless pit. All right. And there was there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into those. And he suffered them. That is, Jesus commanded the demons to go into the herd of swine. And the demons going out from the man entered into the swine and the herd rushed down the precipice into the lake and were choked. In other words, they drowned apparently. But they that fed them, seeing what had happened, fled and told it to the city and to the, and to the country. And they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting, clothed, and sensible at the feet of Jesus. And they were afraid. Just imagine that word picture. This man that had been come screaming out to, to Jesus to start with, uh, now was sitting at Jesus' feet, clothed and in his right mind, if you will, listening to Jesus. And when they saw this man, they were afraid. The people. Incredible. Let's read on. And they also, who had seen it, told them how the possessed man had been healed. And all the multitudes of the surrounding country of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were possessed with great fear, and he entered into the ship, returning. But the man, out of whom the demons had gone, 
besought him that he might be with him. But he sent him away, saying, Return to thine house, and relate how great things God has done for thee. And he went away throughout the whole city, publishing how great things Jesus had done for him. You know, this whole thing is a word picture, I think, of society and and the concept of how the world deals with Jesus when it comes right down to it. The first thing we notice is that Jesus is known by all of the unseen realm. What is the unseen realm? That's the spiritual realm, to use a word that we use. The unseen realm is the realm that is not temporal. It is the realm that is has always been. So all of them, even the demons, the, the fallen angels that were the minion of Satan himself, even they all recognized who Jesus was and spoke. But here's the thing. Jesus was always questioned and rejected amongst his own people. That he wasn't recognized the way that he was from the unseen realm. Of course, they had a knowledge that the people did not have. That's that's true. They knew. They knew who the Son of God was. They knew who the who God Himself was. They had that understanding. But the people did not. As a matter of fact, let's look at the John, the Gospel of John, the first chapter, uh, verses 10 and 11. What does it say? He who was in the world, and the world had its being through him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, and his own received him not. That is what... The, the Apostle John writes concerning Jesus and, and, and the Jewish people. He was rejected largely amongst his people. So this was something that we, we see. Now Jesus healed the man and he was, as it says, made whole. I believe he was very thankful He sat at Jesus' feet listening to his words. And then when Jesus was asked to leave, he did. He agreed. But he wanted to go with Jesus. And I think this is a feeling that everyone that is a Christian or seeking Jesus, they want to go, they want to be with him. Do we not all want to go with Jesus? Yes. But this man was told to do something else for a time. Jesus told him to go home and to proclaim what, what God had done for him. By the way, this is how Jesus always defers to his Father. That the things that had been accomplished had been from his Father from the power that had been delegated to Jesus of Nazareth to do 
the miraculous works to help, to heal, and to do all. The man went out proclaiming these things and also proclaiming what had been done through Jesus of Nazareth to him. To not only his family, but everybody in the city and, and, the, and the people around. You know, I'd like to know what came from all of what that man had been saying. Because this, this man would have been well known amongst the people of that region because of the, what had happened to him when he was possessed. And I just had a thought at the end of this. I thought, this should be, this should be the testimony of all Christians. This should be how Christians feel about their faith, about who they are in Christ, that they, as Jesus said, go home and, and proclaim what God has done for you. Does that make any sense to you? It should, because that's exactly when we are when we are buried with Christ and we, when we are found born anew from heaven in Christ, we need to proclaim who what God has done for us through Christ as we remember him every Lord's day around the table. And so to me, I find so much meat in, in the gospel when it comes to these sorts of things about you want to know who Jesus is? This is where you under, come to the understanding of it. The miracles Jesus did then are just as profound at this very moment as they were when they were first accomplished. And so we believe in the word of God. Those are my end of my words today. Let's conclude by singing Only Trust Him as we dismiss today. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.